When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi everybody, welcome to The Ruck. It's still going strong. We've got a massive climax to the home season. Then we've got the Lions Tour for you. Please stay with us. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. We've got three sensational panellists today, myself and two others. Owen Slot is back, the rugby correspondent of the Times. Last week he joined the Lovey Set. He was on a massive global promotional tour to promote his book called The Talent Lab. And joking apart, I've uh, downloaded it on Kindle, and it's very good, that, um, the stuff I've read so far, Owen. Congratulations. Thank you, Steve. It's a, it is about the identification, the development of great sporting talent, even across sports where someone becomes a, a gold medalist in a sport which they never tried before. Happy with the book as it's turned out? Yeah, delighted. Um, though I was slightly thrown by Amazon when I was lo- looking to see how it was going on Amazon, and it, and it was being coupled with... It's called the Talent Lab, as you say, and it's been coupled with the Chocolate Lab and the Golden Retriever. It's you, you, you spend, as you know, um, having written um, numerous books yourself, Steve. You spend years um, working on these things, and then you suddenly let them go, and you have no idea how it's going to be received. But, but so far, um, uh, I know that uh, at least my mum's bought it. I know that um, a couple of other people have read it and 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 say that they've really enjoyed it, which you would only want at this stage. But um, it has been a, a a labour of love. It started at the um, Atlanta Olympics in 1996 where I saw Great Britain win one gold medal and the national team were pants and then um, finishes in Rio where um, Team GB was second in the medal table. So I think it's a story of, a, of an amazing uh, an amazing turnaround in sport. Let me just put, put, bring one person to, uh, to your attention. You mentioned the book. It slightly gets on my nerves. Tom Daly... You yeah. describe how he was a, a, an, an excellent athlete as a little kid, although he kept on wanting to run away from the camp, etc., etc. He then rose and became not only a, an excellent diver, but a, a media darling, uh, mobbed all over the world for, for things that were nothing to do with his diving. At the end of it, he just did not deliver. I know most of the people in your book did deliver, but he didn't deliver. Did he get too caught up in all the media darling stuff and not do his training? Because at the end, by his standards, he was a failure. Yeah, by his standards, he was. And he won a, a bronze medal in those Olympics as well. So, But he always said from the start that 
at the Rio Olympics were when he would win gold in the individual um, platform, uh, 10 metre platform, and he didn't even get to the final. He was top in qualifying, semi finals, he was bottom, and he bombed out. And that was my book is about success, and, and, he, and, and he's probably the standout failure in the book. What actually happened on that day, he is never really explained. I don't think it's anything to do with um, uh, with the outside noise or, or being a celebrity. Um, the way that h- him and his coach explained it at the time was just on the day the the body didn't click, the, the messages from brain to, to, to body weren't working. To be honest, I think we'll probably find out about that maybe in three and a half years' time or something when we get to the next Olympics, and he'll talk about it honestly. Also, our other guest today is one of the United Kingdom's greatest fishermen, and and I mean it. He's also... A very, very respected rugby writer. We've been colleagues for ages. Uh, a rower and a cyclist, but it's basically his magnificent fishing career uh, as to why he's so uh, loved uh, on the riverbanks of Britain. Compare of Fisherman's Blues, which is on Talksport, and an unearthly hour of Sunday morning. We demand he comes through onto prime time. He's caught giant mutant carp in Romania. He's caught a poacher and tied him up while he went on fishing. He's been asked for money in Ireland by the IRA. And recently, amazingly, he caught an 800-pound blue fin tuna. Now, that is double the size of Billy Vanipola. Nigel Botherway, how did you get that on the boat? It was very tough. It was probably a bit like trying to wrestle Billy Vernipola, although much faster, Steve. You had to hang on for dear life. It honestly would have been capable of dragging me out the boat if I wasn't strapped in. It was it was a bit like being on a roller coaster ride at a fairground, exhilarating, but at the same time very scary and also extremely painful. It's good fun for the first 10 minutes, but when 45 minutes have elapsed, it becomes just the pain locker you're in. Where, where, did you, where was that? Where did that happen? You don't see many eight hundred pound tuna in um, where I live. You don't. It was it was off the coast of off Nova Scotia. I was actually fishing about twenty miles out from Prince Edward Island, Canada's smallest province. Oh, I know. I've seen that fish. I let that one go. Actually, <laughs> well, you might have done because I let mine go as well. I'm pleased to say. So, so th- that's something I never quite understand. You catch an eight hundred pound double vunipola uh, 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 fish, a tuna, and you don't have it in for tuna sandwiches you let it go oh you couldn't kill a magnificent beast like that all i well wanted done. to do was lean over the side touch it take the hook out let it swim off and, and, that's, and that's the equivalent of wasps with the rest of the premiership at the moment isn't it that's exactly they'll hold them in and then they just let them go uh sorry i knew there was something i'd forgotten can um, he play for the lions this tuna i tell you what i wish he could because as i say he'd be quicker than anybody in the squad <laughs> okay I think we should talk about rugby because it's a, the ruck is a rugby so podcast. So enjoying the fishing at the moment. Yeah. yeah, who else have you taken on celeb fishing trips? Mm-hmm. I fished with Martin Johnson on the Zambezi River in Zambia for tiger fish. He loved it. But, uh, you know, Richard Hill, he goes all the time. He's mar- and in fact, Phil Vickery was sat on his seat box fishing with a roll-up in his mouth in Ireland many years ago when his phone went, hardly took his eye off the float, finished the conversation, carried on fishing, and when one of his mates came around to ask him what the phone call was, it was from Clive Woodward telling him his, of his first ever England call-up. Wow, blimey. <laughs>
Uh, Owen, what have you seen lately that, that perked you up or you thought was outstanding or dismal? I, I had an old-fashioned rugby weekend in that I went on tour with uh, with, with the junior section of my, of my boys' rugby club, Richmond, under-14s. We went to the West Country. We had a, we had a, a cracking day at, at Sandy Park on Saturday. But what I really loved about it was on the Sunday, we pitched up to, to North Petherton Rugby Club, uh, which I'd never been to before, and it... And it was just like pitching up at great rugby clubs everywhere. They had um, they had uh, dads and mums getting involved, kids as far as the eye can see. It was the top of a, a of a hill, so very blowing countryside um, uh, for, for miles and miles. And North Petherton played lovely rugby. They host us wonderfully, and it, it was it was just like just meeting up with old friends. Never met them before, but they did it right. Now I would say there was another touring team that I won't mention who did who weren't didn't come in the same spirit. So we'll leave it at that. But North Petherton loved it. Old fashioned rugby. Do we had fun with the kids and everyone had a good time. Nigel, what uh, what have you seen lately? You covered the Saracens game for us this week, uh, this last weekend. What have you seen that you loved? I saw two things from one end of the scale to the other, but both marvelous. That sort of restore, reinforce your love of everything that's great about rugby. Uh, on the Saturday I was at Saracens as you say and before kickoff, Neil DeCock and Kelly Brown and also probably playing his last ever game for Saracens and he had his kids in Saracens shirts and it was quite emotional because as you know they get accusations at Saracens but they really have created what we all know a rugby club should be and that's a family atmosphere and that reinforced it and it probably actually might have made them take their eye off the ball because they were 9-0 down going up to half time and uh, it took them a while to get into their swing although fair play to Bristol but that was fantastic and likewise on Sunday morning as you two both know uh, I coach at London Irish and we had our under 17s last game of the season Surrey league match and it, the fixture list couldn't have worked out better we played old Rutlishians the only other unbeaten team we're both unbeaten so it's a title showdown cup final if you like the game was just absolutely brilliant breathtaking skill must be the coach you know in. Oh, <laughs> of course but from both teams skills commitment hits tackles um, there was never more than one score in it it was a thrilling game that we ended up winning 34-29 but the spirit on the pitch and off it Nigel's got a very stellar coaching uh, background he's highly ranked at the RFU and uh, has coached Brunel University St Mary's College amongst a number of others he's also coached Owen and I in a match coached at the Rugby Writers 15 when we took on um, University of British Columbia Old Boys I think they had 150 caps in their team and we did absolutely superbly under Nigel's coaching, Owen, didn't we? I think we only lost 84-6. It's still big on and, YouTube, uh, the highlights from that, I uh, know, it? it should be. And also, uh, they had Pat Palmer, the great American uh, wing, and uh, Nigel set up uh, a system to stop him from scoring and did very well. After five minutes, he'd only scored three tries, so... That was Nigel's coaching to the fore there. I blame the captain, Stuart Barnes, and the fact that you got nearly cut in two by Rod Snow, the uh, Canadian No, Dan Jacker. Dan Jacker. Oh, Dan Jacker, that's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, my, myself on the weekend, I think we've all been pretty joyous about it. I went to Exeter Chiefs, unlike Slotty, in the working capacity. I loved it. I loved, I loved going to grounds. We just so alive there. And, uh, and I saw Jack Nowell play. And uh, I'll tell you what, I he has his critics, but... If I'd paid money to go and all I saw was Jack Nell playing, I would have had a re really good day. The bloke was an absolute marvel. He gave the team 
his personal electricity. He was everywhere. He'd hit a wreck, he'd beat a man, he'd follow someone through contact. He was complete perpetual motion. And it's a great place to watch rugby. Absolutely loved it. But for me, Jack Noel was entertaining. He was clever. And, and and worth the money, almost worth going down there on Great Western I, Railway. I, Probably I, I, because his quite. dad's a fisherman. I, I totally agree with that. From, from where from where we were sitting, it was it was one of those occasions when when you see one guy who's got a class different to others. You know, rugby is a game where everyone does their bit and their piece, but but Jack Nowell just looked a bit different, didn't oh, he? Oh yeah, brilliant. And incidentally, I think Jack Nowell's dad is a, is a fisherman, but I don't think he throws them back. At the, at, no, he doesn't. doesn't. I think he eats them. Just go on to the um, the Premiership, lads. Uh, Owen um, Wasps have been uh, marvellous. They've kept on going, but they, are they now struggling because they were heavily defeated by Harlequins and suddenly this home tie that they're always going to have is, is drifting away before their eyes. They've got Saracens, rampant Saracens on Saturday and have to beat them to maintain the home tie. Yeah, they've um, they've drifted so um, so badly in the last few weeks. The, the Leinster game was... Um uh, was the one where where their um, uh, flaws were really exposed. Their defence has has not been great all season, but but it's been increasingly exposed. I don't know what it is. The team went really well. It, it's totally unfair to blame it on Willie Larue, and I wouldn't do. But but he arrives another fantastic ball player, and they're almost trying to do too much. And you, uh, a couple of times you see Elliot Daly doing stuff that you know taking chances that that, that yeah. m- you make. have to win the game first, don't you? Yeah, yeah. and and also that the, the, it's weird that Six Nations ends and, and they get their big you know their, their Haskells and their Launchbury's and their Nathan Hughes is back and but but still they seem to slide so. I get the impression that, that they've lost their footing and I, I, w- I would expect Saracens to win that now. Saracens, for you, Nigel, just still going as strong as ever? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you say they were rampant on Saturday. They did what they had to do to get the four bonus points. But, I mean, when you think they'd beaten Munster in an epic Heine- uh, sorry, European semi-final the week before, they knew they had wasps and I think they just had their foot off the gas a little bit on Saturday. But... You know, even wolf packs have a little snooze occasionally. I think they'll be back to their best, and yeah, I'd tip them to beat wasps on Saturday. They've, they've been in Barcelona for um, for a few beers as well, haven't exactly, they? which but is what's brilliant about them. They go skiing, they go to beer festivals. Again, it's that family. Because I was saying to, to saying to Steve earlier, you know, you can pay people as much as you like, but you you have to love your fellow players to put your body on the line and really go that extra yard. You don't do that for money. Correct. It's a great day, a great final day on the weekend. Um, Exeter, rampant Exeter, have to go to Gloucester uh, to, to try and secure their home tie in the, in, in, the, in the semi-finals. Now, Gloucester won't be in the least tempted to lie down and die in front of them, even though Gloucester have got um, their own, uh, in the week after, have got their own European Challenge Cup final to play. Um, there's a game between, obviously, Northampton Harlequins now going flat out for... That's a massive uh, for, game, isn't for, it? That's massive, because if, if Northampton don't win that, they're suddenly possibly out of Europe. Now, that is huge, and Quinn's going well. Uh, we saw Northampton on Saturday, Slotty, admittedly without pick-a-mole. Uh, and without one or two other top players, so Tom Wood, George North, yeah, and Courtney Laws went off early, but Col- still they Col- were yeah, way off, weren't they? They were way off, but but that that's huge game for them. I think there's a, even uh, Sale and Bath is a is a is a relevant game because Bath uh, are ready to pounce should uh, the fourth place uh, uh, battle um, go their way. So 
great weekend of what's been the greatest premiership for me. And um, just while we mention it, we should say also a great weekend in the Pro 12. Um, they've had a marketed initi- initiative there, which I think is a first for the Pro 12. But all the games they uh, are playing on the weekend, they are derby matches. So the two Italian teams are playing, uh, the Blues are playing uh, the Dragons, the Ospreys are playing Scarlets, and so on. So a great finish. Uh, it looks like the top four is decided, Munster, Leinster the Ospreys and the Scarlets. The first two, the Irish teams will be home in the semi-finals, uh, which m- makes them massive favourites to, to carry on and play in the final. But at least um, there's uh, there's two Welsh teams in there as well. This exciting finish to, to the Premiership, you say it's the best Premiership you've ever seen. Yeah. D- does that... Does that um, uh, in any way influence what people think of playoffs or no playoffs which is sort of becoming a bit of a debate again I mean, I, I'm actually sort of convinced that the battle for the top four keeps that keeps the um, the whole division bubbling for so long I agree with you on that I didn't like it at first but everybody voted for it it works now and it does keep it going but I think it's very sensible move to do away with the playoffs in the championship, in the, in the championship because yeah, yeah, when yeah. you talk to the Bristol guys on Sunday, you think you know they've got Stephen Lansdowne, a billionaire owner, prepared to pump the money in. Yet by the time they knew they were in the Premiership, it was May the twenty-sixth last year, and no, you know any good player has already signed yeah, up. And, absolutely, totally. And, agree. I mean, this season the playoffs are even bigger farce when two of the teams in the playoffs, Ealing Trailfinders and Doncaster Knights, you know, can't come up anyway. Next, uh, one thing we we haven't spoken about on the ruck so far is basically uh, what you might call rugby outside the professional ranks. Um, we've all, in some way, uh, been involved in rugby for, for 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 boys and girls. All of us up to the age of nineteen. I, think I coached for about twenty years. Still coach at Desborough Rugby. Nigel coaches at London Irish. Oh, in your son, uh, I'm told, is a very very promising scrum ha- scrum half. Yeah, yeah, he's a Lions bolter. Okay, Lions bolter. We'll come to that in a minute. It's very, very difficult. Uh, there's all sorts of pressures. Um, there's, it's always down to the head man of the age group. Is he any good? Or even worse, does he think he's any good when he isn't? It's difficult with older boys now to keep them there. They get girlfriends. They get online or boyfriends. Uh, they get jobs. It's, it, 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 it's very, very difficult. Standard of refereeing can go up and down. Um, Nige, um, is it rewarding for you or is it as frustrating as it is rewarding to to get boys out there playing rugby? It's extremely rewarding. It's frustrating when you think not once this season we've won the league, we've been in a national semi-final and not once this season we've put our strongest side on the field. That's frustrating because you've got boys in the Irish Exiles, the London Irish Academy, schools, demands, county, etc., but it's extremely rewarding and one of the rewarding things about it is to see players who at the beginning of the season probably on paper Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation They said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. wouldn't have been in your starting lineup and they've played every week and they've played absolutely brilliantly and really excelled and yeah, it just shows you have to see the best in everybody and you have to nurture all the talent you can because you know you can never underestimate, underestimate young players and the other thing about it that I've learned an interesting lesson is that we decided with the pressure you know 17 16 17 18 year old boys are under so much pressure with you know academies county other calls plus of course schoolwork etc we haven't this is interesting we've won the league we haven't trained once all season on a on an evening where most clubs have evening training sessions what's the balance um, I'll ask you both of us what's the balance between going for excellence and participation now I've in our school team Dersborough a couple of years ago we uh, were just coming up to the peak of our season and uh, we didn't, haven't got an awful lot of players. And then we suddenly got two Muslim lads came along who'd never, ever played rugby before. And when you're getting someone from scratch uh, and your coaching time is limited, the number of coaches is limited, what do you do? You say, sorry, son, off you go. We haven't got time. Well, you surely, as we did, you have to make time for them. But that holds back the elite. I think you have to cater for everybody, Steve. You can't turn anybody away. As you know, Owen's book suggests, you never know who is going to turn into a star. A new lad turns up, they could be brilliant. Um, I think that's the balancing act. If you've got somebody who wants to, say, aspires to be a professional player, you've got to give them the coaching that can help them achieve that, but you could never turn anybody away. Owen, um, what uh, frustrations do you have as a, as, a, as a parent when you see your lad, you want him to do well? Um, is it fun for you or are you on the touchline fretting because of your knowledge of rugby or what? No, I, I, I love being a touchline parent. Um, the, the thing that I, that I have found frustrating from seeing two boys sort of in, really enjoying teenage rugby is is the... Um, there's always this the the promise the the, the dangling bait of, of you know Nigel said professional rugby or or can I get in an academy or the or the county system or whatever and 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 it's and that's how the system works and if, and that's that's how we're going to produce um, World Cup winners or what or whatever I, I get that but but something that I've just said to to my boys over and over and and they probably haven't heard it enough is. Is don't don't get your head turned by by the baits. You know you 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 have to enjoy the rugby for what it's worth. The best rugby they will have is their club and their school rugby, and they've loved that. But what I've what what's really worried me is at times they've been looking beyond that and thinking, oh, that's not enough. I, I, 
could just get one level more, just get one level more. And sometimes they're disappointed that they're not going the whole way. And that's not what it's about. It's got to be about enjoying it with your mates. So totally agree with that. And I think it's it's the great um, savage wrongness of the RFU uh, pathway. I'm sorry, but um, the, 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 the bogus um, fast tracking that's done and academies which are not really academies and you know people coming up to you and saying oh your, your lad's not big enough but in, so he's got to go to hooker and all that sort of stuff uh, the county scene and is often really disappointing I think that really until the age of 16, 17 unless someone is absolutely exceptional and by that I mean a possible England World Cup winner you should leave them to play for their teams for the school if it's only in one term or for their club it is horribly disruptive and it's horribly disappointing I've seen so many players who thought that they were going to be great players and when they were discarded from academies or when they didn't get anywhere, they stopped playing. And I could name you 50 of those right now. Uh, let people, uh, RFU and coaches, let people play for their clubs. Yeah, I agree with you entirely, Steve. I would, yeah, I'm not a big fan of county rugby. It leads to massive disappointment when players don't get picked. We know a lot of it. Selection's not very fair. And I think you have to be very careful at managing youngsters' expectations if you have got a player who is potentially going to be a star, even though we all know the percentages are extremely low. Um, you have to try and give that player the best opportunity they can to achieve their dreams, but too many dreams are trampled all over, sadly. I'd also say, we look, refereeing is a really difficult, I mean, a really difficult thing. There's not enough of them. We don't make them welcome enough. We shout at them, etc. Um I do, I do include myself in that in terms of what we, I say professionally about referees. But um, I, I mean, part of me thinks that if you're going to have a, a um, going to use a, a society referee at any level, any age, you should actually, before you're allowed to have the referees, you should develop at least three or four of your own referees. You know, we 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 need more of them, and some of them are really poor, some of them are great, but. Uh, it really does um, leave a nasty taste if you think that the referee's not quite up to it. Um, we need them, but I think we need more campaigning and e individual clubs need to take more responsibility for um, for developing referees and, and, and sending them to the society. Refereeing's never been so good at the top level. Maybe that's a good sign. I agree. I, I, f I find um, admiration for anyone who wants to be a referee. I, I, I would hate to do it. You've probably done it a fair bit, Nigel, wouldn't you? Oh, I've always tried. As, I've only, everyone, every coach should referee a game. Every player should referee a game because you look one way to see if the back line are offside. You look back and they're all screaming, how could you not see that hands in the ruck or whatever? And you learn, as you know, you've only got to referee one game and you learn how hard it yeah, is. Yeah, Everybody should job. do it once, but I couldn't be a referee. But I never criticise them. And, you know, right at under sevens, I used to say to players, if they ever moaned about the referee, I used to say to them, listen, England get the best referee and it works down. You're never going to get the best referee, but they will all be fair. I know they aren't always, but you can't tell players that. One of my old rowing coaches, George Plumtree, used to have a great quote. People always want to blame the referee. He used to say, boys, the only person you could look to for blame is the bloke wearing your jockstrap. And uh, it's great advice. That's fair enough. I only blame the referee if our team lose, not, not in any other circumstances. Lions are getting closer and closer. Sadly, their uh, training's not getting closer and closer. They still haven't even got together in any shape or form. Owen, um, 
we had a lot of fun before the lines were selected, picking them and or dropping them from our teams. Who have you seen lately that uh, you thought, blimey, they're lucky to be on it, or blimey, they should be on it? I still, um, I'll just go back to Jack Nowell at the weekend. He was the he was the player who who is on it. Who, who I th- I think the the more he plays, that the the question becomes well done for getting on the plane, but actually you're going to be starting. He was he stood out for me at the weekend. The 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 lion who is um, really hitting a rich vein of form is uh, Toby Falatau, um the uh, Bath Wales number eight, who may indeed be the lion's number six. I think if he plays with Billy Vodopola, that's um, something we'll be discussed uh, for uh, um, a lot in the next uh, month or so. Uh, he scored a hat trick at the weekend. Um, who is it who said he didn't think he had the grit? Uh, Zinzan Brooks said he didn't he didn't have the mongrel in him. Uh, to be um, to dominate at that level, uh, I, I really look forward to uh, to Falatau proving that wrong. I think he will too. I think he's a great player, and it's interesting because, as you say, you know you've got the option: do you play Billy Vunapola for fifty minutes and then bring him on at eight, or do you play him at six? And yeah, that's probably one of the discussions that Gats would have had, and that probably cost Launchbury because when I made my line selection, Launchbury was in it. But I had Laws as a six. I would have taken Laws as a six. But if you're looking at Falatau as a six, then you can see why Launchbury might have missed out. There's there's a big cue there, though, because, um, you know, I think to make a really big pack, you could also um, consider Maru Itoji as a six. And then then you've got a heck of a lot of sixes. And Ian think, Henderson. Yeah, Ian six. Henderson. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings me to my, my slight to anxiety now especially having seen recent games, that are too many uh, back row forwards in there who are much of a muchness. I'd say uh, O'Brien, Stander and O'Mahony, um, they just happen to be all Irish, but I just don't know where they're going to fit in. If you're talking, to- talking about Falatau, Henderson and Hitoji uh, possibly playing at six, but, um, uh, you know, the, the, it's, the rest of it's holding up so well. Falatau is a mongrel as well as everything else, and for Zinzan to say that, it's just... Clearly, you don't think you've seen him play. But, uh, Nigel, any lines a little bit unlucky or anyone that's lucky? You mentioned Launchbury. Yeah, Launchbury is obviously desperately unlucky. I don't think there's many other people I've got in my book that aren't on the plane who could really consider themselves unlucky. The only slight concern for me is, yeah, one of my favourite Lions tours in recent memory was 97, obviously just coming out of the amateur era. But the great thing about that tour was that the guys on the plane if you'd have tried to pick a test team most people would have got it horribly wrong we never thought that you know the front row would have started most you know even Lawrence Backey and Hilly were all young then and weren't guaranteed starters and you had the rugby league boys John Bentley and Tate and it was wonderful and that's I don't see yeah the only real potential surprise package is you know you hope that Tio might be a star I'd love to think that he's going to be a bolter and come really good but I don't you know like you say the standards and that we know what they can do I don't see many people maybe Moriarty but I don't see many people coming out of nowhere and just surprising us all and being real star performers just going on to another selection uh, Owen you were away last week um with your lovely colleagues on the on the book tour but um <laughs> Uh, do, do, are you anywhere nearer making sense of this strange Eddie Jones selection for Argentina where you're either a kind of 30-year-old uh, dyed-in-the-wall international or someone no one's ever heard of? Uh, yes and no. So so I, I, th- I sort of think we have to take this back to George Smith. 
Eddie Jones spotted George Smith, I think, as a 19-year-old. He, he played like half a game at, um, at top-level Super Rugby, whatever it was, the, probably the Super 3 at that time. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and he saw this kid and he said, that's where we're going. And, and, and he plucked him and, and, and he developed him into one of the best players that we've ever seen. I can only assume that that's what, that's what he wants to do here. He's, he's, he's taken a gamble on a, a lot of young players. And if he comes out with one George Smith or two, then he'll be able to look back on the tour and go, well, they, you know, they were, it, it was worth it. Now, that doesn't justify the fact that other players who seem more ready to take the step up, Dan Robson is the, is the one that p- particularly aggravates me, doesn't, that doesn't um, account for, for their absence. But that's how I would explain it. You know, um, I, I, I sort of disagree with that. I think if you're playing an international rugby tour against a team like the Pumas with a full side away, you take your top team to to um, to celebrate the ethics of the international game and to show respect to the opposition. And I think some of the selections are disrespectful to the opposition and disrespectful to those uh, missed out. Now, just 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 giving Exeter as an example, um, you know, because they have this uh, this EPS squad. Their their ability to to duck and dive and to bring people in and out is is really limited. Now you see Ollie Woodburn playing for Exeter on Mm. the weekend, and indeed all season, Rob Baxter's triumph because he was he was a reserve player for Bath. The guy is playing absolutely out of his skin. Don Armand, blindside flanker, an absolute beast, and um, just makes you think that sometimes this these teams that come out and go abroad, they're not representative of anything. Nigel, well, I mean. On paper, you know, it couldn't have been better, the timing of the Lions for Eddie Jones, because, you know, it does give him a chance to blood, you know, newcomers rather than pick guys that, you know, are going to be past their sell-by date come the next World Cup. So it's a great opportunity for him. And 15 uncapped players is exciting. But like you say, it's has he put his money on the right horses? Just uh, going on to one more issue close to the heart here. It's very uh, close now to, I think it's just, just over a week, to the the vote where the old members of Newport Rugby Club decide whether to whether the club should be sold to the Welsh Rugby Union. This is a club that's on its uppers, not one for a month, not one for months, uh, has a ramshackle stadium which is tumbling down, and yet some people, the dyed-in-the-wool Newport Rugby Club members, appear to be campaigning massively to uh, not to let the sale go ahead, in which case we're told it will be bankrupt the day after and sold. Now, it's all very well, tradition is fantastic, but what these people don't realise, however much they hate the concept of Newport Gwent Dragons, and I do as well, uh, I don't like regional rugby, it is that team which is the heir to Newport Rugby Club, not the current Newport Rugby Club club team, who doesn't play anyone... Uh, any good and is not at the elite end it is the elite end that Newport has always deserved and always grown so anyone who's not voting for uh, the WAU to take over I'm afraid everything including your uh, beloved Newport goes into oblivion that's just madness then isn't it it's uh, died in the wall it's been too old been there too long being myopic uh, being bitter I think apart from that, it's a really good decision, though. Okay, let's Crikey. just uh, now go go down under to the um, where I understand that Super Rugby's still going. I didn't I didn't realise that, <laughs> but um, there was some bad news um, uh, from um, New Zealand. Owen Kieran Reid, yeah, heart- heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, F- Kieran Reid fractured a thumb, 
and uh, could be it for six weeks. Could be could actually miss the test series possibly. Um, when we heard of the injury, a lot of people thought, "Let's hope it's nothing trivial." But, um, <laughs> Can but you to, name any of them? But to be fair, um, he's he's, he's a allegedly a great player. What do you think? Is that altered the balance in any way? Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it would do. The, there's a lot of strength and depth in Kiwi rugby. We know that because none of their Super Rugby teams have ever lost a game for the last five years, or certainly not this year. Uh, so, in theory, they should be able to. Uh, just take him out and, re- and replace. But the fact is, uh, he is a captain. He's got 97 caps to his name. Uh, and if you look at who else has played number eight, uh, I don't think there's anyone else with, with more than 10 caps. There's inexperience that would come in. At some stage, you're going to be able to take a foundation stone away from that team and it will topple, which is what happened when um, uh, they lost Retallick and Whitelock in uh, in Chicago last uh, last autumn. So... I, I don't know if it would be influential, but I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. How do you rate Reed, Nigel, as, uh, as a former great number eight yourself? Best number eight in the world, and I think we'd be deprived if we didn't get a chance to see a showdown with between him and Billy Vunapola. I'd have thought with a thumb he can swim, he can run, he can lift weights. He can fish? Yeah, he can fish. Fish, fish with his left hand. I should, think, I should think he'll be back in time, but uh, I think he's a great, great player. His skill set are very different to Big Billy's. And I think the contrast, I think it'd be a tragedy if we didn't see them up against each other on the greatest stage. It would. I'd, I'd He's like such to... a nice guy, Nigel, isn't he? He is nice. He's too nice. He's not coming sure. on again. I, I, um, I, I Part like of the take... number eight club, Owen. I, yeah. I, well, I used to be number eight, and I'd take a contrary view, because I think Kieran Reid has become, like Sean Fitzpatrick was at one stage, a left or a right wing. And I'd love to see that uh, Billy Vanapola carrying the ball, because that'll have to drag Kieran back in and uh, make tackle after tackle after tackle. Then we'll see how good he is. OK, guys, thanks a million for that. Um, let's just say one more t- one more uh, time around the desk. Where are we going uh, in the next few days? What are we looking forward to? Owen? What's Saracens? Um, uh, can Saracens keep their momentum? Have Wasp gone totally off the boil? Top of the table, a lot hanging on it. Just a brilliant last fixture of the regular season. Nigel? I shall be fishing for brown trout on the river test on Thursday and I'm cycling to Brighton and back on Sunday. Well, I'm going to do that as well. I'll finish you say that. Uh, European Cup coming up. We'll be talk- discussing that on the Ruck next week. Until then, thanks a million for listening. Please subscribe to us. Looking forward to my trip to the Rico on the weekend. Wherever you are at rugby at any level, please enjoy it. 
Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 